Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. When you consider who Draymond is, his history, which does get factored into this stuff, and it should, I think he is going to get suspended for a long time. The fact that this happened in one of these in-season tournament games that the NBA takes very, very seriously, I think only adds to it, but I don't think it is meaningful because I think under any circumstances, this is going to be a lengthy suspension. I think we're looking realistically at at least five games. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Mike Greenberg earlier today on ESPN Honolulu. Did you see that Draymond Green like headlock yesterday, Hunter? Not okay. No. He must have thought he was on Raw. <laughs> For those that don't know, uh, Hunter now catching up on his uh, on his wrestling That's references. Right. Uh, now referencing early, Monday Night Raw. Earlier on uh, the, the very beginnings of this show, you learned that I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling. That is right. When I was a kid. And so things like the people's elbow... Um, the rock bottom, the rock bottom, uh, Shaboni, right? No, no. W- what was the thing that he said? Jabroni. There you go. Excuse me. I found it again. I, th- this is all research that I've <laughs> unfortunately like had to go. Shaboni is a yeah. Jersey shore. I've reference. had to go find all of this on my own, but, uh, I, I tried to link it with wrestling right there with what Draymond was trying to do yesterday. Is your dad okay with what he's hearing right now? Oh, of course. Okay. It, it was more, I think we, we, we talked about this before. Uh, very conservative Christian home. Yes. Whatever they let me watch, they essentially let the other four beneath me watch too. So um, I, I got the uh, viewer privileges of usually like a four or five-year-old. So Barney well into like, Fifth, sixth grade. Barney. Unfortunate. Oh, yeah. Big time. And Arthur on PBS. Wow. So whenever PBS said uh, thank you to viewers like you for you helping support us. Oh, that's right. Uh, my, like, six-year-old self was like, yep, I'm keeping them in business. I I, uh, uh, I I will readily admit Antiques Roadshow. Ooh. Yeah. Every time that show comes on and I watch, it's not often. Did you ever watch Zoom? No. Oh, that was a banger. But every time I try to time it, so when they they get past the sponsors and they say, and contributions from from, uh, PBS viewers like you, and I try to time the thank thank you. you. Yeah, I try to time that along with the voiceover person. It's like two seconds after the last line. Right. PBS is made possible by contributions from viewers like you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. It it's, is. It's like, um, and, and I know this is getting on a little bit of a tangent here. In Japan, uh, radio stations in Japan, because the, the whole viewers like you thing is, uh, um, it, it's like a polite way. Like, give give the viewer the time of day where you're not, like, rushing viewers like you. So uh-huh. you're giving them the time of day. In Japan, I learned this a long time ago. They space out each commercial on radio by a second. So that doesn't rush from commercial to commercial. Mm, okay. It's commercial, you give it a second, so you have like the respect of the commercial, and then and then a second, then you have the next one, and then you have a space by like a second, and then you have the next one. So it's like you're not like rushing through things and it becomes like word salad. So there's not like, you know, a Planned Parenthood awareness commercial and then a Cialis commercial right after. 
kind of not that I know of. Kind of counterintuitive. And no, I don't know their advertising procedures in Japan. I know how we're going to bring this back to what we opened with. <laughs> you ready? I can't okay. wait for this. I the cannot wait. The same amount of time between when PBS says um, contributions are made possible by viewers like you. Thank, Thank you. you. The, We've got this down, by the way. The fight began in this Golden State game. It was happening with Clay Thompson mm-hmm. and then whoever else from the T-Wolves. And then Draymond Green came in. Comes in and puts the headlock on Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. But, it like, from out of nowhere. Like, yeah. th- there was a serious pause in the action. Things were kind of getting pulled apart. And then Draymond Green comes in with the headlock. It's like, so you made the wrestling reference. Uh-huh. It's in wrestling, they do this specifically so that people don't see it coming on television. The camera is specifically pointed in a certain way. So when someone runs oh, yeah. out from the stage into what? the ring and you're surprised because you don't know what's happening. All yeah. of a sudden someone's there. Um, it's because the camera never let you see anything else. So the the, the Randy folks Orton in, slithering in from behind. There you go. So like the, that. the folks on TV, the folks in the arena know because they can see it, but you on TV because it's a made-for-TV product are surprised. That's kind of like that. Totally. Because Draymond flew in out of nowhere, and the camera never gave you the wide angle. It was just right in on the scrum. Um, Draymond Green should get a big suspension. In, in you know, in in concert with what Mike Greenberg said a little while ago. That, that's completely out of bounds. Um, I, there's, there is no way to defend that. Although Steve Kerr tried, of course, and he's kind of, he kind of has to. No, he doesn't. That's I mean, his guy. Can, yeah, but you can just kind of say like, hey, we'll. we'll I'm not going to comment on that. We'll wait for the NBA to 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 do their whole investigation. But he basically said, and I'll I'll read you the quote. Um, so I was upset about that, talking about Clay being ejected. Uh, Clay Thompson was one of three ejected from the game. So was Draymond Green. And then he says, and I quote, uh, the Draymond piece of it. If you watch the replay, Rudy had his hands on Clay's neck. And that's why Draymond went after Rudy. I saw one replay af- right after it happened. Guys in the back of the bench were telling us that Rudy had Clay. And that's why Draymond went at Rudy. That's all I know. But yeah, it was a bizarre way to start a game a minute and a half in, which by the way, uh, I think it's the first time. I don't know if it's ever but the first time in a long time where you had multiple ejections before a single point was scored. Before a point was scored. Which is which is insane. Um, but there's no defending that. I mean, I, I get he's your guy. But at some point, Draymond Green has had so many issues that you just have to some at some point just say, well, let the league figure it out. Not going to comment on it. Just let the league take care of it. I'd kind of wish, uh, rather than a chokehold, that... You can't really finish. Let's be honest. We're not mm-hmm. in a UFC ring. Right. You know, he's not going to tap out right. and then you win by, uh, by TKO or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'd kind of prefer him to come in with a right cross. <laughs> not, if that, you, not that that's any better. No, but I'm just saying if you're going to come in with authority, come in with authority. Mm-hmm. Instead of this kind of cheapskate from behind, grab the guy and pull him down by his neck. That move looks soft to me. Because what, what do you want Rudy Gobert to do? He's getting choked from behind. Well, I don't know. Was, was Draymond Green truly trying to choke him? Or was he putting him in a, in a headlock just to subdue him and drag him away from the situation while yet making a point like, hey, don't touch my guy? See, that's the thing. I think he was caught a little bit in between mm-hmm. on wanting to make a statement and pulling him off of clay. Now, 
that's the that's the tricky thing there is if you truly just wanted to pull him off, you could have pulled him off by his jersey or by his shoulders. If you wanted to be definitive and let him know that you didn't appreciate him having his hands on your teammate, maybe go with the right hook. Five to ten games, Kendrick Perkins believes. He said that earlier today on yeah. the uh, on, on NBA Today. He thinks that's what it should be uh, for uh, for Draymond Green. Is that does that sound about right? You know, if it was a regular game, that'd be one thing. Mm-hmm. But this is an in season tournament that, game. You think that's going to matter? I do. I feel like the NBA is trying to make this game huge or, or make this in season tournament way bigger then we really care for it, and so they have a lot invested in it mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I still don't like the in-season tournament thing, and I'll, I'll digress that for a later conversation, but I don't think you can impose a bigger punishment because it's an in-season tournament game that has a, a little more meaning, even though it counts in the regular season standings mm. all the same. Um, if you're Also, gonna, hate, the, hate the courts. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's awful. I, I think you can impose enough of a punishment based on Draymond Green's past. Um, and he's got enough of a past. See NBA finals of previous. See all of his outbursts at, at referees. He's been suspended multiple times. This is probably one of the worst things he's done. Um, five to I mean, we say five to ten games. I feel like it's got to be more like eight to nine. Uh, because I think you ha- you can make an example and not have it matter about the in-season tournament. Just make an example. Don't put your hands around somebody's neck. No. Like, we don't ever see... Like, we see punches. Punches do happen, and I'm not condoning punches. But having your arms around someone's neck yeah. is next-level bad. And you have to, you have to be an adult enough to know not to do that. And that's why I think the NBA's got to come down really hard on them. To me, this is... Mm. Here, I'm going to respond with a question. What's worse, grabbing a guy by the neck and you're playing basketball or hitting a player in the head with a baseball? Pitcher. Um, hitting, a, uh, Throwing at a guy's head with a baseball. Think that's, they think that's worse? Yeah, I do. Because okay. you know the baseball's coming at you. If you're throwing a fastball at a guy and it's 90 to 95, you're talking about injury. You're talking about like an, an injury to the head. Um, of just blunt speed force. Yeah. Um, that's that's dangerous. Like, that's criminal to me. Okay. Putting someone in a headlock um, is out of bounds, but we're not necessarily talking about something that's a that's criminal in nature. Okay. Let's, um, let, let's shift it because okay. in a game like hockey, okay, fighting is part of hockey. It is. And... There's rarely any suspensions with it. You just serve penalty time, which I kind of love, honestly. Like, let, let, let's let get out the aggression out on the ice. Responsibly, though. And there, sure. there was the incident overseas with yep. the, with the, the guy. State. Yeah, the yep. guy died. I know, that's, that's, that's intense. That's criminal. Um, I, I wonder, because basketball has suffered a similar thing that football has, where the pendulum has swung so far over to the side of any kind of remote contact or is penalized like crazy. There's sometimes where teams got to go, you know, with rivalries, with players and egos swirling and colliding. It's a messy business. And kind of along with that, 
I almost, I'm not saying that we, we, we should have uh, penalty minutes for, for basketball <laughs> and fighting or anything like that. But no, in this case, no punches were thrown. Um, no one really got hurt. And I, I'm a... I'm a big fan of uh, who started it all. Felt mm-hmm. like that T Wolves player came out of nowhere to go after Clay. Right, like Clay did not start that at all. Now, what Draymond did, the retaliation also needs to be addressed. I'm not forgiving him. Uh-huh. Um, yes, I, I think the NBA is going to come down hard because of the in season tournament thing, because it's Draymond, because of his uh, past and and the the kind of extending rap sheet that he has by the way justin draymond green's been suspended five games there it is which to me is is that's low um Mm. that that's just kind of like the low end of the spectrum saying okay we're gonna punish you that's a decent amount but we're gonna say that's like no different than throwing a um a a bunch of do you consider this way worse than him stepping on zabonis's chest in the playoffs last year yes yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I will say mm. the other thing, and since you mentioned baseball, I'm reminded of this. A lot of times when there's bad blood in baseball, umpires already know. They go into a game, and sometimes they will issue warnings to both teams before a game even starts. Like when you have the uh, the, the manager's meeting at home plate, they'll say, um, hey, we know what's going on. We're going to issue warnings right out of the gate. Something happens, we're tossing people. Like they want to take control of of a game to the point where they're not going to let anything fly. And a lot of times it works because nobody wants to see guys get, get bounced from games. So a lot of times that kind of deters it. I, I would imagine in a game like this going in, we know there's bad blood already. Yeah. We know that these are guys that don't like each other, especially Gobert and, and Draymond green that beforehand, these officials should have, and I don't know if they did or not, but they should have talked with both coaches beforehand and said, you know what, we we see a little bit of the history. Uh, we're not going to take any of this. And get that separated right out of the gate. Because when you have something that happens a minute and a half in, it means that some of this is boiled over from something else. Hmm. So you, you yeah. nip it, you make sure both coaches tell their teams. And after they do that, then you go and play and you hope nothing like that happens. Yeah. So usually it's a good deterrent. And probably a zero tolerance policy. They'll use this as kind of the guinea pig right. for moving forward into the regular season tournament. But at the same time, the fact that they are kind of fighting means that they care enough. <laughs> you think that's separate? I think it's separate. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you care, but play the game. Mm. Uh, it is off the bench. He's Hunter Hughes. I'm Josh Pacheco. Uh, again, Draymond Green's been suspended five games, uh, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, coming up, speaking of basketball, uh, UH men's basketball from last night. Uh, Hawaii with a win over UH Hilo. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Plus, um, our Mountain West Power Rankings. Uh, I didn't get to share it on Monday since you had the day off. I basically waited for you to come back. Thank you. So we could do it. Uh, we'll preview Wyoming at the top of the next hour as we'll, uh, we'll go to Laramie. And James Madison is not going to play for a New Year's Six Bowl. That's <sighs> been confirmed today by the NCAA. So what does that mean? And the outside shot of what that means for Hawaii, because it does have a little bit of meaning there. That's coming up in just a few. And don't forget about athletes. Uh, Cole Malsoff talks with athletes. They eat food. They have a good time. 
It's on our YouTube page at ESPNHonolulu.com. Brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. Off the bench here on this Wednesday, ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update coming up in just a little while. The latest on uh, Draymond Green suspension. We get to watch uh, college football on a Wednesday. Uh, it's it's all good. Uh, we're with you here uh, on ESPN Honolulu from our PAXA studios in downtown Honolulu. Last night was uh, Rainbow Warrior basketball hunter uh, Hawaii with the win over Hawaii Hilo in what was an exhibition game uh, for the Vulcans. It was a regular season game. For the University of Hawaii, I'll, I'll give you my uh, my takeaway on last night. There yeah. was um, there was some good, and I think there were some um, some not so good things that I, I think I took away. I, I think the what do you want to start? Negative or positive? Where do you want me to go? Good news always. Okay. Um, good news is two of Hawaii's newcomers have me really impressed mm. after night number one. Uh, Justin McCoy, who uh, comes over from uh, from North Carolina. Is one of them. Let him in scoring 15.6 rebounds. Yep. Can knock down some shots. Um, had six rebounds in this game. I like his versatility. And you know, he knocked some key shots down at times where it felt like Hawaii really needed it. Like they were um they were well-timed threes that he made. Um I I'd like to see him in the post a little bit more because he is um he can be a physical player, but um, you know, this team loves to have its fours shoot the three, and you'll see a lot of that from McCoy. So, you know, in, in first glance, I, I liked that. I, I liked seeing McCoy in his regular season opener. The other guy is Tom Beatty, who um, went five of nine from the floor, 12 points for Beatty in his uh, regular season debut for and off Hawaii. The bench. That's right. Um, these are guys, I mean, we, we knew especially with McCoy. He was going to be one that we knew he'd make an instant impact. Yeah. And and he did, um, and, and that really kind of helped. We, uh, you know, Juan Munoz is still kind of coming back. Uh, we saw him play 14 minutes. Um, he's really kind of filled, I'd say, the uh, the four in, in the starting lineup. But Beatty could be, uh, I, I think, a little bit of a hidden gem. Uh, one thing we talked with Aron Ganat about before the game last night in our in our pregame interview during shootaround is that Hawaii's got so many guards that can do a lot of different things. But the consistent here is pretty much, well, I shouldn't say all of them, almost all of them can shoot well from the outside. Yep. And, uh, and, and Beattie, who is known to score in, uh, in high school in New Zealand, um, can add that punch right away. And that's something that I don't, I don't think Hawaii had as much of last year, that offensive punch when they lost Munoz. That depleted the guard spot off the bench. If Beatty can do this, um, you know, when we get to conference play, that could be a really special thing for this team. Would you also say that he helps kind of take the pressure off of guys like McClanahan and Coleman and Cotton as well? Not so much McClanahan because okay. he, his, he's going to facilitate. He'll yep. make sure, you know, Beatty and, and Coleman, et cetera, will, will, will get their shot opportunities. And we know McClanahan gets the ball. When the clock is ticking down. Yes, and, and he'll make sure you know it, too. That's right. Um, I think he does take a little pressure off of um, you know, off of Coleman. Uh, although I, I'd like to see Noel Coleman you know, start lighting it up as well. Um, if you can get a really good score off the bench, that is, uh, that, that is helpful. But I think between 
uh, between Beatty, who uh, who gave a really good debut last night. Um, Cotton, I think, is you're right. I, I think that's where the pressure kind of comes off. Cotton didn't hit a shot last night. He's he's new uh, to the system. If those two are kind of interchangeable, one guy has a really strong night, the other does on another night. Uh, you know that can that can work out for this team. But Beatty played 24 minutes, and um, I, I I thought was really impressive. All right, um, the downside. Yeah. You ready? Yep. 13 to 21 from the free throw line. Mm. Um, a lot of that, uh, a, a lot of that was early. Uh, they we were, could have easily gotten to ninety points. Yeah, um, they were five of eleven in the first half from the free throw line, and um, you know the the one I think of, you know, right out of the gate, Bernardo da Silva, who two years ago from the free throw line uh, was what in the seventy percent percentile, struggled last year. He was five of nine. Uh, yesterday, they're going to need him to be a lot better because if he gets the ball and is physical inside, he's going to get to the free throw line, and he's got to hit free throws at a better clip than he did last year. So that's that's one. I think the other, there were points of sloppiness um, in, in this game, and, and granted, I know it was Hawaii's first game um, of the regular season, but it was a, it was a 16 point game at the end of the day and at one point it was it was 20 plus you yeah. know UH Chilo shot their way back in and credit to the Vulcans i think they're going to be fun to watch here in 2023 2024 but um didn't free throws cost us last year in the big west chan- uh t- um tournament excuse me um i thought that was I, like a I, I know there were two regular season oh there was one in in the big west tournament yeah. um that the first game they played you're right there were a couple of games where it cost them. I think Kamaka Hepa had a missed one yeah. you know, late in the game. So free throws at some critical times, you're right, um, did not help at all. They're almost like tips and overthrows. Got to get those. Free throws. But, but that's, you know, their emphasis is free throw shooting and three-point shooting. And that's mm-hmm. another thing. Three-point shooting, they didn't, I don't, they kind of hit their mark on three-point shooting. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, we'll get to uh, University of Hawaii football. We got our Mountain West Power Rankings. Let's go. Let's have fun with that coming up after Sports Center. It is off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. Hey, Mountain West Power Rankings coming up in uh, just a little while. A little bit more on the uh, Draymond Green suspension. The NBA putting out a statement a few moments ago. Um, he's going to be suspended and will lose in his five games $769,970. Ouch. I feel like working in this industry, that's probably what I'll make in a, in a career. <laughs> I sympathize none. With uh, with Draymond, uh, Clay Thompson twenty five thousand dollar fine, Rudy Gobert twenty five thousand dollar fine, uh, Jaden McDaniels twenty five thousand dollar fine, and the NBA says in its statement, and I quote: "The length of the suspension is based in part on Green's history of unsportsmanlike acts." There we go. Um, and also worth noting, one of the games in the suspension is an in season tournament game next Friday. So that goes to show you what the NBA is putting a putting first greens past then the in-season tournament. So the in-season tournament's not the uh, the most important thing. So that's just kind of developing over the last uh, 30 minutes or so. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco with you here on this Wednesday Mountain West Power Rankings time. Um, we usually do this on a Monday. If we forget, then we do it on a Tuesday. Um, but you weren't here on a Monday. You had a day off, which, by the way, 
Um, you told me your friends told you you're not allowed to have a day off again. That's right. I don't know how to feel about that. Uh, that was kind of like saying, hey, Josh, you can't be by yourself. No. I get it. I get it. I understand. I I, uh, I take that for what it is. It's a little flashback uh, flashback Monday of uh, the Josh Pacheco show. Yeah, except we didn't call it that. That's right. Um, but yeah, I get it. I, it is a little bit misleading when our opening soundbite says, off the bench with Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. And Hunter's not there. And then I'm not there. Or when I'm not there. Like most of the show yesterday. Um, and it's going to kind of be that way here and there as we uh, navigate through basketball season and baseball season. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of work through it. Um, but uh, Mountain West Power Rankings, since you weren't here Monday, um, I wasn't with you most of the show Tuesday. Why not do it today? Um, let's start with where Hawaii is because mm-hmm. I want to say it was two weeks ago that you had Hawaii at the bottom. I'm pretty sure you had them right at last, right? After the 35 to nothing. Yeah. Blowout at home. Yeah. And then Nevada happened. Yep. And then Air Force happens last week. Air Force happened. So, by the way, we've had, we've had this talk on the show a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I didn't bring this up to you. Last week, I had a dream that we beat Air Force. Okay, this is a little random. Okay. And... I usually go to practice, you know this. Yes. And the morning after, I'm standing next to Coach Nate Ilau. Yeah, Nate Ilau. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, Coach, I had a dream that we won this week. <laughs> okay. And he starts laughing. <laughs> and he's like, we need one. And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, what happened in the dream? And I'm like, I just heard people saying Hawaii, win- Hawaii wins two straight. Interesting. That's all the info that I that I had. What kind of look did he give you? At just this kind of half awake, half asleep glance through the side of his eyes. Because it was what time in the morning? Yeah, it's like seven oh five. That that makes sense. Yeah. Not to say that we know that Nate Ilau sleeps in late, but uh, no, 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 no. They're they're out there ready to go. Yeah. Um, but it's also they're preoccupied with practice, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's uh, usually accompanied with a little bit of Manoa mist yeah. in the morning. But I bring that up just because. Never in my wildest dreams, however, I did kind of have a wild dream that it happened. So, kind of interesting. Fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't give you a look like, uh, you all right? I wasn't courageous enough to bring it to the show Why? last week. That would have been uh, great I if should've. you brought it up. I, I know. Hunter, there was never, a lot going on last week, Josh. Never leave things on the table. I know. There was a lot There was a lot going on last week. I know. Uh, I was I know. trying to make sense of a lot of things. And even that dream, I'm like, what is going on right now? Now, now here, lesson, uh, never leave content on the cutting room floor. Amen. We're, we're, we're not a, a Martin Scorsese movie where there are too many things to use and not enough time to use it. Director's cut. Um. Yeah, I, I thought maybe you had, like, a vision of how it would have happened or uh, or anything like that. No, no. No, that that was literally all I remembered waking up was someone saying Hawaii wins two straight. Okay. Um, no so word yet on three straight. We'll find out. Um, if I hear anything between today and tomorrow's show. Yeah, if you I'll have a you know. weird dream, uh-huh. and, and keep it to football, nothing else uh, I don't think course. we really need to no, know about. It. If you have a weird dream, I have a uh, filter. let us know. I, I, I'm trying to establish a filter. At learning least. that. That's learning right. that. That said, going back to the power rankings, since we digressed, we've digressed so much here in We're big 38 fans of that. minutes of the show. Where do you have Hawaii? 
I have Hawaii at seven. Ooh. Wow, you have them just about in the middle. Right in the middle. Okay, tell me why. Well, there is clearly a bottom drawer mm-hmm. in this conference. And if we just beat the unquestionable best team in the conference, okay, last week, n- now it's it's not that because we kind of knocked them off their peg. Mm-hmm. We served them their first loss in conference. To me... That elevates us not only out of the bottom drawer, but it it puts us firmly in the middle of the pack. Uh-huh. Firmly. And, again, it, it's kind of been the tale of this season. What Hawaii team are we going to get week in, week out? That team? That team is surely better than Utah State, Colorado State, Nevada, New Mexico, San Diego State. Okay. By the way, that's my my bottom my bottom teams. Your your bottom's gotten bigger, actually. My, my my bottom's plenty big. Thank you. Just realized how that sounded. Um, I mean, the bottom initially was like three teams, and Hawaii was part of it. So you've expanded it now to five. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I'll give you where I have Hawaii is uh, where I have Hawaii at okay. uh, in a second, but uh, where the is Josh? I know where the is Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Josh. Paul, what's up? Hi, Hi, Paul. Hi, Hunter. Um, maybe everyone is clairvoyant for the Air Force one because may, may I highlight my own prediction? I got the score wrong, but uh, but I saw it. I saw it, and uh, the prediction was painful. It cascaded over me. You know, I just saw it. We all saw it. We all saw it. We all, we all saw a win. About, we all saw uh, a win, Paul. Let, let's be. Let's clarify. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. We saw it. Wow. All right. My prediction. And I had a question about the uh, Wyoming coach. How come we can't take interviews? <laughs> he, he's he referring a, to uh, something Chris and Gary mentioned uh, earlier this week. He got a gunfight at high noon or something. Well, no, Chris, yeah. all I mean, uh, excuse me, Gary always tries to get the ne- the the he next does. coach. Gary's great about that. Yeah, the the next coach on the schedule, and uh-huh. um, rarely do they respond. The the one exception to that was um, the San Jose game, uh, San Diego State too. Oh, Brady he did Brady too. Hoke Brady Hoke. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of a rarity whenever he does land the guest, but he does certainly try. Okay. Well, let's work on our predictions for Saturday. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. I, I swear, Paul was writing a novel. I saw the prediction. It was cascading over me. And it got creepy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate the fact that a lot of people were uh, were believing. But, you know, Craig Bull, and I like Craig. Um, we've gotten to talk to him the last couple of years at Mountain West Media Days. Craig's Craig's awesome. Uh, but there are coaches, more so nowadays than before, that game week, they don't want to talk to visiting radio. They've got their coaches show that they've got their uh, their obligations to and, and more often than not getting paid for. And um, they spend the rest of the week game prepping. And especially when it's a really tough team and Hawaii's playing tough right now, um, they don't want to have anything to do with, uh, with, with, with visiting radio. And 
Wyoming still kind of in the thick of things. Yep. Um, you know, they're going bowling. It hasn't been easy here the last couple of months for them. So I, you know, I don't blame any coaches when they say, you know, we're going to decline visiting radio. It's a bummer. I think it's, I think it's good radio for us. Um, but I don't blame some coaches when they don't want to do it. They've also lost two out of their last three. Right. They're focused on winning their last game at home. The other thing for I, this season, I don't know. I don't know if Timmy gets asked. Should probably ask him. Do you get asked to do visiting radio, and how often do you accept or decline hmm. if you are asked? Um, because yeah, Gary asks all the time. Gary's great about it, but uh, yeah, most of them they they say no to it. Uh, from the uh, Zephyr Insurance text line, which you can text in at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. From the seven eight zero. I hope Gary's listening. By the way, Hawaii beating Air Force is like the Jets beating the Eagles. Dang, I'm trying to I'm trying to make the most sense out of that text. Is that meant to be an insult to Air Force, or is that meant to be an insult to Hawaii? That or an Hawaii insult like, to the Jets. There. <laughs> Good point. I like honestly it. With the way that Hawaii was playing at certain points in the year mm-hmm. and how good Air Force was, you could make the case it's almost like the Panthers beating the Niners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or the oh, – can't believe it, I'm about it, to say it, Josh. Say it. Say it. The Bears. It'd be like the Bears beating the Niners. Yeah, which you know is not going to happen. No. Um, it won't happen. No. I'll uh, we'll we'll do the rest of the uh, the power rankings in a little bit. I want to finish the bottom while we're uh, while we're there. Uh, I've got Nevada at twelve. I've got San Diego State at eleven. Uh, and of course, Brady Hoke's going to retire at the end of the year. Uh, I've got New Mexico at ten and Colorado State at nine. Thing about Colorado State, and I, I know you mentioned them a little while ago, is they can score points, and that's the dangerous thing. Like Nevada offensively abysmal. A.J. Bianco is going to get the start for them in their next game. San Diego State, offensively abysmal. Um, they can't run the football like they used to. New Mexico State's actually, you know, decently good offensively. Hawaii knows that. Colorado State, I think, is kind of similar yeah. in that regard. Do I think Hawaii, the way they're playing right now, um, do I think the, the way they're playing, I if, if you had a do-over, I think Hawaii could beat New Mexico. 100%. Um, I think Hawaii can beat Colorado State. But I do San think. San Diego State. I, oh, no doubt. Um, I think 7 through 10 is about even. Utah State, I have it 7. Utah State, Hawaii, Colorado State, New Mexico. Yep. Uh, one more question. I think this is for you, Hunter, from the 256. How much did Dalen Morris running the scout team last week help with UH's <sighs> defense preparing for Air Force? I think it was massive for us. Massive. If you understand defenses and how to defend the triple option, your edge and your backers must be assignment perfect. You have to play disciplined and kind of hard-nosed football and commit to it for an entire game. We, we never um, blitzed away from our assignments. We kind of played laterally and let everything kind of be in front of us. The, the only time that Air Force really ever gouged something out on us was when they would run dive and they would block it effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime they tried to stretch it, 
I mean, we we snuffed it out. Hawaii was quick to quick the to it. And then um, Vertel Edwards had a phenomenal bounce back game, making many tackles in the in the backfield. And then our secondary too, uh, Mackie Pay and Peter Monuma coming down and literally being the the enforcers when the backers were sometimes getting blocked up. So I think Dalen Morris deserves a lot of credit because I'm going to be honest. First couple of days of practice, he was lighting up scout team lighting it up and there the, the other big part of that game was air force's starting quarterback going down yes because their backup literally could not hold a candle to what i was watching dalen morris do mm-hmm. throughout scout team week so yes uh to that texter's question he deserves all the credit in the world for getting us ready i have a dalen morris question that i want to ask you next hour uh based on the way hawaii used him in the last game mm. uh, i'm going to save that though um because we got christy davis who's going to join us coming up next one planet live is coming up this weekend so we'll tell you a little bit more about that what that's like uh first our m dire global scoreboard which is brought to you by m dire global moving hawaii into the future Halftime on ESPN television. Sixers up on the Celtics 58 uh, to 57. Also at half in Toronto, the Bucks 70 to 47 lead on Toronto. Late third, Dallas 100, Washington 79. And early third, Knicks over the Hawks 57 56. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard. M. Dyer Global always on the move. We'll talk with Christy Davis uh, coming up. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. All right, Sports Center's coming up. We've got our first look at traffic on the way as well. Want to bring in uh, Christy Davis because coming up this weekend, uh, we have Our Planet Live at the Hawaii Theater. Uh, Friday night, 7.30 p.m., Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. And Christy, I appreciate you uh, joining us here. Tell us what uh, Our Planet Live is all about. Yeah, thank you for having me. Our Planet Live in Concert is a specially developed Netflix series. So they had a, a five-part series on Netflix that they took the best part and they created this two-hour live experience at the Hawaii Theater. They just finished up their U.S. tour. We're so, so happy that they could come to Honolulu. Uh, but you've got the award-winning composer Stephen Price doing the score which an 18-piece local orchestra will play, and then you'll have this just breathtaking cinematography on the big screen. That's kind of neat. So it's not just a... Um, Our Planet is literally like my favorite show. On is Netflix. it really? Yes. Oh. I've watched, like, I'm not kidding, like six times through both seasons. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. No, yes. it's it's truly, it's... Uh, I've seen, they've been, you know, rehearsing, and I've been a part of the rehearsals, and honestly, it's chicken skin when you've got the live orchestra with the beautiful uh, cinematography on screen it's it's really you can't beat it that's why I, I that's why i'm kind of interested about it is because it's not just an uh, an, an audio experience it's also a visual experience which i think mm-hmm. you know for right. for the senses it's it's really cool and i'm sure hunter for for your favorite parts of that show i'm sure you'd be looking forward well to, it's like uh, one of that. the most relaxing things to watch honestly like you you turn it on and it's just like a perfect way to end your evening so i can only imagine what the live performance is like yeah, it's it's truly amazing that you know you've got sea turtles and tree frogs and tiger cubs and they've really hand selected all of the clips that you'll you'll see 
this weekend, the 17th and the 18th. You've got, you know, an evening show on Friday and a matinee show on Saturday. So we're hoping that all of your listeners can come down. Um, tickets start at $19, so it's super affordable. Uh, it's about 120 minutes uh, plus intermission. And we've got a special discount for ESPN Honolulu listeners. If you um, use the promo code PLANET, you will get 25% off your ticket. So, oh, nice. Yeah, it's, it's a really great deal. For Bye. all of our sports listeners, this is a perfect cultural and educational experience for you. Go learn about animals. Yeah, and by the way, um, you know what else kind of got me here? I see the name William Shatner. Ooh. <laughs> yes. He is our, our, not that he will be there in person, but he does narrate the film. So you've gotten a sneak peek, right? You've, you've been there. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to give all of it away, but is there a certain part that you've kind of seen in the, uh, the, the sneak peek that you've gotten that maybe you could give a hint to our listeners that uh, they might be able to see that you think is really cool? My, my honest to God favorite part is because I love tigers. Um, yes. There's a whole montage on tigers and the cubs playing together. That is truly my favorite part. How about a tiger hunt? Do we get to see it like attack a deer or something? <laughs> no. no oh. um, Would you say this is G-rated, not. this one? <laughs> it is totally family friendly. Okay. Don't give too much stuff away, Hunter. I'm, I'm rooting for the tiger, man. I, I, I've got to be honest. I'm rooting for the tiger. All right, so if you're a Tiger fan, um, you you know what to do. If you're a Detroit Tigers fan, uh, you nice. know what to do just to kind of toss it back to the sports <laughs> side. Uh, again, hawaiitheater.com for tickets. They start as low as $19. And remind people, Christy, the uh, the special for ESPN Honolulu listeners. Yes, use promo code PLANET for 25% off your ticket. And just do it now. Like if you're if you're listening, do not wait. It's in It's on the top of your mind. Just we know you're near your phone. As long as you're not driving, we know you're near your phone. You can't get away from it, so just do it right now. No, no need to wait. Uh, Christy, it's good to hear from you. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you, you over the weekend. Awesome, thanks, guys. All right, that's Christy Davis. Um, one, pl- or I'm sorry, Our Planet Live Hawaii Theater, Friday night, seven thirty p.m. Saturday afternoon, one p.m. See, I'm learning more about you. I didn't know that you've watched this show. Oh yeah, dude, like. Any stitch of our planet, planet Earth, David Attenborough commentating on an antelope on the savannah. I love all of that. Okay. And I'll be honest, too. I didn't want to say it while she was on the phone. It's perfect for, like, helping me get to sleep. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. But in a good way. In a good way. In a, in a oh, good yeah, way. It's, it's, it's relaxing. Oh, it yep. puts you in a good mood. Mm-hmm. And tigers. Yep. I, so you have a Netflix account. I don't have a Netflix account, so I, I haven't seen it. Liz, is that something you watch? Yes. She's nodding her head. Yep. Okay. Um, can I borrow someone's I like Netflix password? Please. Can I Can I low-key borrow your password before uh, not to, like, knock out your account or anything? Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Cool. <laughs> uh, Sports Center traffic coming up. We'll head to Wyoming. We'll get a preview of the Cowboys ahead of Saturday's game. Uh, between the Pokes and the Bows, but we want to tell you about student section next Tuesday, 7 p.m. at the Auto Source Carousel, right across from uh, Ala Moana Center. Um, Star Doll Thurston, Miss Hawaii, is co-hosting uh, because you know 
Sorry, Chris. Uh, we've got some of uh, Kamehameha's volleyball champions. We've got a couple of softball players from the University of Hawaii. And Raising Canes, a uh, big part of that as well. It's next Tuesday at 7. Here on ESPN Honolulu, Sports Air Traffic next. All right, coming up in uh, just a little while, we'll turn to Wyoming. Pokes and bows. I just wanted to say pokes uh, on the radio. We'll talk with uh, Cody Tucker coming up in just a little while as uh, our uh, Hawaii football interviews uh, all season long. Brought to you by BMW of Honolulu. Give me a quick thing. Oh, actually, before I bring in Cody, um, give me a quick thing about what you are hoping to see or what you are expecting to see uh, if Hawaii is able to win. Give me one quick thing. Hmm. I would love to make it a regular thing that Hawaii gets out to a quick start. Mm -hmm. Saw that against Air Force, and we kind of rode that momentum and held it the entire game. It made it so much easier on our defense when we were playing with a lead instead of, again, almost kind of revving the engine at six, 7,000 RPMs. Um, I would love to see our offense in a production point and then kind of set the tone from there. Let's bring in uh, from 7220sports.com covering the uh, uh, Wyoming Cowboys. Cody Tucker joins us now here on ESPN Honolulu. You know, one of the things that uh, comes to mind, and I, I recall this being said by, I think it was the uh, the offensive coordinator uh, over the course of the week, you know, learning to play a four-quarter game. It was the offensive coordinator uh, who said it. And, and maybe you can speak to this on the offensive side for Wyoming. The struggles that there have been to put it together for 60 minutes here as of late. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's been the... The real struggle, especially on the road, uh, just have not put together four quarters of football. And, uh, you know, when it's going really bad, they're not even putting together a quarter of football. So I, I don't know what it is. Uh, they came out guns blazing at Air Force in the first half. And second half, Air Force went on one of their traditional 14-play drives. It took about 11 minutes off the clock. And Cowboys never recovered. Uh, Fresno State, same way in the second half. They kick an onside kick, give them two, two straight offensive possessions in a row. I, I, and it just kind of steamrolls from there, guys. I mean, you know, I asked quarterback Andrew Peasley in Las Vegas on Friday night, why can this team not win on the road? And he said, it is just, it's hard to put your finger on a problem when you don't know what the problem is and you don't know how to fix it if you don't know what it is. And it's a real, real problem that has uh, booted the Cowboys right out of this Mountain West Conference race. And is this team trying to figure out through um, different personnel, for example, I look at the quarterback position, and uh, you know we saw Evan Svoboda a little bit. He was four of six against UNLV. Is this team kind of looking at that? Because I, I, you know, I like Andrew Peasley. We got to talk to him at, at Mountain West Media Days. L really like that guy as a quarterback. But is Wyoming kind of looking at that position right now and and trying to see, okay, where is this going? Uh, no, <laughs> no, they're not, and that's a that's a huge. Uh... That's a huge topic of conversation around here because we've seen Evan Swoboda. He was forced into action when the Cowboys were at number four, Texas. And uh, he was forced to play that whole game. And uh, if you guys recall, it was a 10-10 game going into the fourth quarter. And Evan played really well, especially for his first ever start on a, in a hostile environment in front of 100,000 in Austin. Uh, did really well. Has a big arm, wears 17 like a guy named Josh Allen, and apparently has the arm to match. 
Uh, we don't we don't get to watch practice, so uh, we don't get to see that. But that's what we're told. Um, but Coach Bowl has been very loyal to Andrew Peasley, and and rightfully so. Andrew's a gutty guy. He's tough. He ma- he makes plays. He's just he's your blue collar, gritty Wyoming type of quarterback. Uh, but mainly, he says, you know, Andrew has it from the shoulders up, and that's something that that a young Evan Sabota is still working on and still working through. So the coaching staff, in my opinion, they're they're going to ride Andrew Peasley throughout these last three games, uh, including the bowl game, and let him finish off his career. Uh, but you know, we talked a lot about Evan in the press conference this week. He's got a big future ahead. Uh, Craig wasn't exactly. Uh, crowning him yet the 2024 starter, but it's easy to believe that he's probably the front runner. And you know, depending on how these last three go, I think we all would like to see Evan Swoboda get a lot more snaps and uh, and play, especially in the second half of games. We're talking to Cody Tucker, 7220sports.com, as uh, we preview Wyoming and Hawaii coming up on Saturday. He's with us here on ESPN Honolulu. Cody, uh, I can only imagine, you know, this uh, kind of comparison for PV to Josh Allen's got to be almost like comparing him to, uh, you know, for us, like a Colt Brennan or, you know, sure. a Timmy Chang back in the day. Mm-hmm. Is that is that high praise or do you really feel that confidently to compare him to one of the best uh, Cowboy quarterbacks uh, from you guys' history? You know, I don't, uh, and the reason I say that is because, like I said, we have not, we do not get to see practice. Coach Bold does not open practice to the media at all. Uh, what we have seen is a guy who can, he can drop some seeds, man. He can throw the ball for sure, and he's a big kid. And get getting off the bus, uh, he's more impressive, and he's a lot bigger than Josh Allen even is today. Uh, so he's got that wow. frame. He wanted to wear number seventeen, just like Josh. He came to Wyoming because of Josh. Um, however, you know that's a those are some pretty big shoes to fill. I mean, that's a guy who's got special, special talent, especially arm talent. And I think a lot of what Coach is talking about is that arm talent. And, and Svoboda has it, no doubt. I, I don't know if I'd go that far. I don't know if I'd go Josh Allen far, but uh, he's got uh, he's got a big arm. He's a big human being. He can run. He can get going down downhill a little bit. And uh, we just haven't seen enough of it yet. I remember uh, when we played Josh Allen, I was on the team, and there were a couple throws that he landed that, in the cold, by the way, when you can't squeeze that ball for anything, and we were sincerely impressed with that guy, which, okay, yeah. the rest is history. <laughs> but um, but uh, kind of looking forward to this Saturday. I'm, I'm curious, from an emotional standpoint, how is this Cowboys team looking right now? You know, losing two out of their last three and they've already kind of secured bowl win, you know, or excuse me, bowl status. Are, are they at a point of kind of coasting right now? Or what left do they necessarily have to play for this season? You know, guys, that's that's my number one question heading into Saturday myself. You know, uh, people people have asked me like they do every week, you know, uh, what's Wyoming, how's Wyoming's chances this week? Are they going to take care of Hawaii? I don't know. <laughs> to be brutally honest with you guys, I have no idea. They... They just they didn't show up against Boise State in a game that was so crucial, and then they turn around and beat their rivals in Colorado State, and then they go and lay an egg, you know, in the first quarter, first you know, first 18 minutes against UNLV on the road in a, in a must-win game, uh, and now you know they don't have the dangling carrot anymore. That championship is not going to happen. Uh, when you talk to the players, they say, "Hey, we still have a real chance here to finish the season undefeated at home." Uh, to go into Reno in the season finale and break this six-game uh, losing streak on the road and then win a bowl game and win nine nine games for the first time since that. That's the first time that's happened around here since 1996. So, I mean, they, they have 
put some carrots in front of themselves, but the big one is gone. And I'm very interested to see because we saw a Hawaii team come in here in 2021 and just run and throw. Chavin Cordero went nuts on the Cowboys, including hitting a Hail Mary at halftime. At halftime. And that yep. Cowboys team was out to lunch, and they got absolutely whipped. So it'll be really interesting because this is the same kind of situation, fellas. That team didn't have anything to play for either, and Hawaii came in here and took them to the woodshed. Cody Tucker's with us, 7220sports.com, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. I've got to highlight somebody on defense and uh, somebody I remember voting for on my uh, preseason All-Mountain West ballot, and that's Easton Gibbs, uh, the linebacker, and he has played uh, phenomenally well coming off of a nine-tackle effort against UNLV. He's got four games this year with uh, double-digit total tackles. Uh, We're going to be talking about Easton Gibbs when it comes to award season, aren't we? Yeah, you know, and he's just kind of fallen in line, right? I mean, Chad Mumo was uh, the same way at Wyoming, Logan Wilson before him. Uh, both of those guys are now cashing NFL checks. Don't know uh, what the future holds for Easton Gibbs, but he's your typical Wyoming middle linebacker involved 100% in everything. And uh, you're kind of shocked when he doesn't register double-digit tackle. So it's kind of weird to see that he's only done that four times because it's typically every game. I mean, he's your... He's your bell cow for sure. <clears throat> excuse me for sure. Uh, middle linebacker position under Craig Bull at Wyoming has become uh, linebacker you, if you will. So it's a big deal to be a middle linebacker here. And Easton does technically have one year remaining, uh, but he has chosen to uh, forego his final COVID season. And uh, so we'll see where he ends up. Uh, he definitely um, has grown before our very eyes. His first start was in 2020 against Boise State during that COVID year. And uh, he was just a little guy who could barely uh, get a word out in a press conference. And now he's, you know, the real deal leader of this team. Cody, I'd love to get your perspective on uh, something about the conference just uh, at a zoomed out level. You know, conference realignment is uh, kind of on the Mountain West brain right now with the possibility of our linking with Oregon State and uh, Washington State, Wazoo. Um, Just curious what the mood is over at, uh, you know, you guys over in Wyoming on the possibility of merging with those guys and kind of um, how, how this feels all, all the way over there in Wyoming? You know, I'm sure a lot like Hawaii, fellas, it's kind of more nerves, more nerve-wracking kind of stuff because mm. will, you, will, you be, will you be in the conference when, when the uh, dust settles? Uh, you know, Wyoming is the least populated state in the United States. Uh, the Cowboys have an absolutely passionate following. I would have never started my own website knowing that, uh, unless I knew I'm from here, I'm born and raised here. I know that, you know, we don't have a lot of people in our square, but the people who are here all care about the Wyoming Cowboys in some capacity. Um, but when you look at the TV numbers and all that kind of stuff, you know, you're not going to find Wyoming in the top 200, uh, when it comes to those ratings and things like that. So you worry about that, you know, it's desolate. It's, you know, two and a half hours away from Denver International Airport. It's not easy to get to. The weather's tough. So, you know, I, you know, maybe that's the glass-half-empty approach uh, because Wyoming is one of the founding members of the WAC and one of the founding members of the Mountain West Conference. You would hope with the passion that you see at, say, a Mountain West basketball tournament where half the arena is Wyoming fans, and when Wyoming goes to a bowl game, half the stadium's Wyoming fans. We, It's kind of small but mighty. And you hope that really, ha- you know, has some sway with, with a passion in place like Pullman and a passion in place like Corvallis, Oregon as well. So uh, you hope you're on board, but that's why winning right now is more important than ever. Uh, the Cowboy Joe Club for the university is the biggest booster club in the Mountain West. 
Um, there's a lot of reasons why Wyoming should, but you worry that what numbers these people are actually looking at that might say, oh, they're not even in the TV ratings conversation, so forget them. When in reality, most of our graduates live in Denver on the front range and make up a lot of that Denver uh, television uh, rating system. Cody Tucker's with us from 7220sports.com. Uh, two more for you. One, how much longer does Craig Bowl want to keep going here at Wyoming? <laughs> uh, the other million dollar question <laughs> this week. Um, you know, he has one year left on his contract. And, you know, I can't imagine he goes into next year a lame duck head coach without a with without either announcing this is my last year or getting an extension. He said that he's out recruiting and he's still doing his thing. And he said he's not puffing the pillow quite yet. And, uh, you know, but he talks to his wife after every season. He's 65 years old. Um, you know, but it, it, people are growing impatient here. It's year 10. He's two games under 500 overall. They have been to one Mountain West title game, and that was in 2016. Uh, the, you know, he's he's almost a victim of his own success. That was year three. He was a national championship head coach coming out of Fargo. Uh, they just have not reached the heights that you expect. You know, this year they beat Texas Tech. They get off to a 5-1 and one start, and then – can't win on the road. And, and and then the showing at Boise State was shockingly bad. It was absolutely dismal. And then uh, UNLV wasn't much better. So it's, you know, you think, oh, man, they made this progression. They're going to make a jump this year. And then, you know, it all the rug gets pulled out. So um, I don't know how long he wants to be here, and he wasn't clear on that either. So we do what we do know, though, is contracts up after next year. So they are absolutely at a crossroads where something needs to happen here, uh, here pretty shortly. And Craig, one of my uh, favorite people to cover from afar uh, when we've been at yeah. Mountain West Media Days. He's always been good talking to us. Um, my last one for you, uh, my partner Hunter Hughes is going to be heading up to Laramie uh, for the <laughs> game. He's working on the broadcast. So since this is his first time, we always talk about food on this show. Uh, hmm. What should be the spot that Hunter yes. Hughes goes to uh, to eat around the game? Has Hunter Hughes ever tried Rocky Mountain Oysters before? Ha <laughs> 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 um, Are you I willing? actually have. Oh, really? I have, yes. And? Good. Uh, so you'll love that. Yeah, they're, they're not bad. <laughs> <laughs> they're not you bad. Know, Wyoming, people, Wyoming people aren't very happy with you guys because uh, finding this game this weekend on TV is not going to be an easy task. Hmm. We have nothing to do with that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Cody, it's good to chat with you. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Safe travels to you guys. Hey, All right. thanks, Cody, Cody Tucker from 7220sports.com. He's with us here uh, on ESPN Honolulu. I mean, uh, Rarely do we get people that say lay an egg on the radio. I love it. Yeah, I love it. There are um, There's one thing that I need to trace back on okay. from that interview toward the end, and then there's another thing based on a conversation that we had in the past that I also need to trace back on, talking about your travel. Uh, we'll do that coming up in a little bit. want to remind you, you can play pigskin picks at ESPNHonolulu.com. Pick some NFL games, win some prizes. It's that simple, except the picking part. Uh, it's brought to you by M. Dyer Global and by Young's Fish Market. Traffic here, you're listening to Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. All right, another look at Sports Center and traffic coming up in a little bit. Plus, Rocky Mountain Oysters and Laramie. 
There's, we need to follow up on something from a long time ago. There's a lot to unpack there. Yes. Uh, Neil's up first here at 808-296-1420. What's up, Neil? Neil, hello. There seems to be no Neil. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, Neil shows up a little bit later on. Feel free to give us a call back, Neil. Yeah. All right. So that will allow me to get to uh, where we were planning to go. Neil, we wanted to put you before uh, Rocky Mountain Oysters. Where did you have that and why? Since you said you've had it, I think we need to enlighten the audience on uh, why you had Rocky Mountain Oysters and where. Please share. I mean, I've, I've, uh, my family's from the Midwest. We go hunting. And when you're at a hunting lodge, they usually cook, you know, hunting mountain food. Okay. So there, there was a time at a hunting lodge that um, I tried bull genitalia. Okay. And how was that? Not horrible. <laughs> if you, like, if you didn't know what it was, you would just think it was like a big fried meatball or okay. something. Okay. So not horrible. Yeah. Was that the only time you've ever had it? That's right. Okay. Just once. So is, it's, is, it, is it something... That if you go to Laramie, you would try again? Uh, probably not voluntarily. Part of the deal is you, you try to, like, get one over on your friends. Okay. They're just like, I oh, see. what I, are these funny-looking meatballs? I think and then I see where this is going. When it's in their mouth, you go, yeah, those are Rocky Mountain Oysters. And then zing. So you're saying you might do this to someone. I wonder if I could get John Venary to do that. Well, now that you've said it, it's not going to happen. Well, I, I don't know if John's listening right now. That's a good point. But, you know, John's so popular, someone's going to say it to him. That is true. Now that you've put it out into the universe, you've ruined ruined the plan. Someone will message him. Yeah. Hey, snitches get stitches, everyone who's listening. <laughs> Don't ruin this opportunity for me. Um, but there is something else that we talked about a while. This is probably in the first couple of months of the show. Do you remember I was the person talking about how I'd love to visit Laramie? You know, I and and I kind of was like, I'll I'll give it a chance. You know, looking, for, I, I'd love to have that opportunity one day. And do you remember what you said at that time? Do you remember you're kind of like, well, it's Laramie. Maybe I, I don't remember. Refresh me. Yeah, you were kind of on the uh, yeah. Who wants to go to Laramie? Mm. I find it very funny that you're now going. It's pretty ironic. Yes, it is pretty ironic considering you get to travel. Way more mm -hmm. with ESPN than I do. Yeah. And yet the one place Josh wants to go is ironically the trip that I am going. Yeah, Laradice. I'd love to check out Laradice one day. Here we go. If I find a Laradice shirt, I will bring it back for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Deal. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I, it's, I just, I hope, or not I hope. I want to walk around the campus too. I want to see... What that place has to offer. When you come back on Monday, uh, well, actually, Monday we're off because we got Monday Night Football. Mm -hmm. So when you come back on Tuesday, I want to report on whether Laradice was better than you expected or was right where you expected when we first talked about it a while back. Sounds good. Uh, don't forget about H Camp. They are the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program, and they remind parents, coaches, and athletes to learn more about recognizing Concussion symptoms. Visit hawaiiconcussion.com.
Sportscenter.com. Traffic coming up in a few seconds. Sportscenter's on the way. And I do want to get back to our uh, Mountain West Power Rankings. And I got a Dalen Morris question for you as well. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. You know, Hunter, we got a question earlier about uh, Dalen Morris, who uh, was pretty instrumental in Hawaii's preparation for Air Force. But uh, we shouldn't discount the fact that we saw Hawaii's quarterback. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't call him backup quarterback, but I call him a gadget QB. We saw him yeah. um, more than we normally would uh, against Air Force on Saturday. And so I would ask you, do you think that that's a trend? You know, not just on like a third in one play or not just a goal line play. Do you think that that's going to be a trend that we see a little bit more of Dalen Morris in some of these short yardage situations? I think so. I think he has proven himself along with Solo Vipulu. I mean, they're kind of a, a dynamic duo for getting through some holes and man, Solo cleans up whoever's, whoever's yeah. in there. So I love that. Um, uh, He actually, uh, without giving away too much, I'm only going to talk about this briefly, but um, Dalen's got a twisted ankle that that he's uh, rehabbing. He's still, I'm pretty sure he's on the trip. Um, So I I would be shocked if we don't see him this weekend, but uh, um, not sure how much we're going to use him outside of um, short yardage distance just because... Uh, we were joking about it. No matter uh, twist ankle or not, if you tape it up, you can run straight. Mm-hmm. Me, me and him were joking about that at practice a couple of days ago. But cutting makes it difficult on a on a bad ankle. You know, I think I was meaning more along the lines of, um, you know, whether you know consistently. If you find yourself in a second and short, you know, more often than not, yep. you take Braden off the field. You throw him in. Um, more than maybe, let's say, like five times a game where it becomes a pretty regular thing, like how the Wildcat became a pretty regular thing with a running back. Yep. Almost, I'm, I'm thinking along those lines a little bit more to trust to or to feel like that is your best option to get a yard or two yards on any particular play. It, it is. It's uh, dependable as well. Um, with that unit out there, the only time that we've ever had any kind of uh, – ball security issue was when uh solo fumbled in the vandy game um so it's it's been super dependable for us all season the the one thing that i'm still hungry for with that unit is the tebow pass you want to see it yes okay Um, why is that because we haven't put it on film yet Uh uh-huh that you could really catch a team off guard and potentially even sneak away with a with an easy score um put a tight end on the side have him go head up like he's blocking and then pass off that D end or linebacker on a short yardage situation and then have him just clear out behind the uh, the defense and Dalen takes two steps towards the line of scrimmage, jump pass over the top, touchdown. Okay. okay. Just an idea. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco. We uh, talked earlier about our Mountain West Power Rankings. You have Hawaii at seven. I have Hawaii at eight based on the last couple of weeks. I want to get to the top here. And we also kind of mentioned the bottom. We don't need to spend a, a bunch of time on that. Um, but but let's talk a little bit about the uh, the top. Who do you have at number one? UNLV. Yeah. 
Yeah, undoubtedly. Uh, there's a couple of questions that go along with that. I mean, UNLV is playing the best football of anybody. But um, can they sustain that after this year? I, I don't know how you feel. I, I feel like there's a good chance Barry Odom's gone. Mm, to, um, to a bigger program? Yeah. I mean, he's a he's coached at Power 5 programs before. And Power 5s, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to say Texas A&M. I just did. Nice. But, you know, seriously, say Texas A&M. But they are a Power 5 uh, that's getting rid of Jimbo Fisher to the tune of $75 million. The new Bobby Vanilla? I don't know how much of it is spread out per year, though, over the course of like 30 years or till the day that, you know, he, he leaves this great earth. Golly. Um, a power five will find him. The other question is Brennan Marion, the offensive coordinator, who's done a really good job there. Uh, we've known him here in Hawaii for a little while. Um, what happens with him? The bigger picture is UNLV is in a great spot that could potentially um, hurt them down the road. But it's like you have to enjoy it for right now, right? They are at an all-time high with that program. They might be playing one of their most important games in program history when they play uh, when they play Air Force. Um, who would have thought that an Air Force UNLV game would be one of the most important games in the Mountain West to date this year? Yep. So I mean, I, I have to have them at one. Wasn't UNLV one of those teams preseason that got a gun vote? And you you and I both were like, who voted for them? Right. They had one vote, and I think they were projected in ninth. Yeah. And turned out that one person was not, I guess he was a, a homer that was correct. And I'm guessing because they're a homer and they live in Vegas, they probably had some action on that You're too. probably right. That one person Good was for not them. me. I just want to make sure. Yeah. I was not that one person. Um. But I, I do want to bring it back to Hawaii football for a moment before we um, we before we continue on, yeah. on the power rankings. We've talked about Hawaii as let's say a, a coach does really well. Nick Rolovich, for example. Yep. A coach does really well, you lose him. People don't like it. They they want they don't you know the feeder program thing comes up with players. Frankly, when it comes to coaches, a group of five programs are like that. Um the ladder in which you are standing on, it's pretty low. You're pretty low on the ladder, but you want to climb up. You want to get to the Power 5 program. You want to make over a million dollars a year. Rolo got that opportunity because he earned that opportunity coaching at the University of Hawaii. We haven't had, we haven't seen a lot of that here, frankly, yeah. but he was that, that one. Um, we forget, I think sometimes, you can throw all the money in the world at the UNLV athletic department with their facilities and they play at Allegiant and all that stuff. Yep. Doesn't change a thing because if you're good at UNLV, even if it's just one year, someone's going to find you and take you away. And I don't know that UNLV is going to pay a coach, let's say $8 million a year uh, to keep them for a long period of time because any power five can come back and say, well, we'll, we'll pay you 10. We'll do whatever we can to get you away from a group of five to come coach at, uh, Mississippi State. Yeah. It's a reminder of how much that, you know, Hawaii and UNLV are different, but in the same way program building and trajectory up and down, Hawaii and UNLV are still very much the same. I I think of them as kind of similar markets, if you will. Mm -hmm. They're, They're both tourist towns. They're not big university towns. They're that the university is second or third on the priority, you know? Yeah. Um, tourism, 
uh, entertainment. That that is that, that that's the biggest thing. definitely for Vegas, um, not so much here. But uh, I, I bring that up because they have other things to occupy their attention. Because you you you, you kind of said it, Josh. What? Well, why wouldn't a school like UNLV be able to be Power Five? And it's just because th- there's a lot of other stuff going on, right? And they're kind of pressed for um i don't know it, it they, they kind of suffer in comparison to everything else that's going on at the exact same time so yeah it's it's kind of unique they might be able to find the resource to keep a good school around but in, in a lot of ways or keep a good coach around excuse me but in a lot of ways that's that's what you see at hawaii too yeah difference is it only takes one year at unlv it might it, it'll take probably a few to prove that you're good enough to move to the next step if you're uh, if you're at Hawaii and or other programs like that. In opposition to that, it takes one coach who says, I don't want to be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. That's what we have with June. Right. For the long haul. And we saw those magical years because he was able to build the program over the course of a decade. And then he went. Yep. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. I mean, things will, will, will trigger you to leave. Uh, like no soaps in uh, no soap in certain places, and uh, Herman Frazier. Hmm. No comment on Herman. Um, but yeah, I mean those are those are things that I think really come to mind, and it reminds you. I mean, we've talked about coaches. I mentioned this on Monday. Uh, San Diego State on the way down. Boise State on the way down. UNLV is going to be interesting to watch here in the off season. Um, Hawaii, you'd like to believe now in the last couple of weeks has shown uh, it is on the way up given um you know what they've done here to show that the progression is real uh, after wins against Nevada and Air Force um number 2 i think we disagree on who we have at number 2 on our uh, Mountain West power rankings who do you have hmm i still want to give honor to Air Force okay just for what they've done so far this season and they're they're only one loss in conference okay and that was to us <laughs> Okay, gotta throw that in there. Yeah, you're 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 not petty about it. Um, I knocked Air Force down a lot, by the way, and, and the reason why I did is because Larrier's injury. You know, it was just it was just Veterans Day, my friend. Yeah, I know. Actually, I didn't knock him down a lot. I had him at three. Okay, um, let's be kind to them. Larrier's injury. Um, they've they've struggled to take care of the football. Yep. You know how many turnovers in that fourth quarter alone? Was it three? I think it was. Yep, three picks. They've turned the ball over double digits in in two games. So I had him at three. My number two is San Jose State. Ooh. And, and, and when I kind of threw this hint at you before the show, you looked at me funny. Like, wait, what? No. San Jose State, a five and five team, four and two in conference. Yeah. Have I mean, if you've watched San Jose State here in the last um, month, they just beat the piss out of Fresno. Whatever that is, Um, (laughs) whatever that means, Um, they yeah they beat Fresno pretty good. They beat Hawaii pretty good. Yeah, Um, San Jose State's offense is now clicking. 
we're reminded that USC, Oregon State, playing Air Force, you know, you're, you're going to find yourself behind the eight ball. But they've won four in a row. They've scored at least 35 points in each of their four games. The lowest of those 35 was against Hawaii when they scored literally 35. Yep. Um, they should get by San Diego State. And so here's the scenario. They win this weekend. They're five and two. Loser of Air Force UNLV will be five and two. Um, the, it is it is likely, in fact, it is not likely, it is going to happen that you're going to have a two-loss team play for the Mountain West Championship. Wow. Uh, um, I, I really believe it's going to be Air Force or UNLV. That will be one of the schools, unless we have, like, mass chaos. Um, but San Jose State's got UNLV in two weeks. Air Force is playing UNLV this Saturday. Fresno State's in the race, and they play New Mexico. And, of course, San Jose State's beaten Fresno State. Boise State is still in the race. Now with an interim coach, they're at Utah State. So um, there is a lot on the line here. Wyoming's, for the most part, out of it, um, with Hawaii playing them coming up um, on, on Saturday. But there is so much to play for, and San Jose State right now looks to me I, I think they can beat UNLV potentially if they go head-to-head. I feel like it's going to be the first of 45 wins that game because those two offenses are dynamic right now. Um, I I feel like if everything plays out the way it is, UNLV and San Jose State, I've got to believe one of those teams will be playing for a conference title. Hmm. Not both, but I think one will. This is a down year for the Mountain West. Uh-huh down year where we thought maybe three weeks ago that air force was just going to up and run away with it, but it's not the case now. And when you, you look at every, you know, just the team throughout the conference right now, it's not like there's one team dominating everybody Mm -hmm. and with a consistent week in week out top 25 uh, ranking. It's, it's nothing like that. And, this was this was a year that Hawaii could have honestly been in the mix. Mm-hmm. Had, had we found this team when we started conference play, right. we would have been we would have been right up there. Honestly, I, I really do feel that way. You can get in touch with us. Our uh, Zephyr Insurance text lines at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. You can call us at uh, eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. So uh, you have UNLV Air Force one and two. I've got UNLV San Jose State uh, one and two. Uh, where do you have them? You can share that with us uh, here on the program. By the way, I have um, Boise State at six. Yep. I'm sorry when you when you let go of your coach after a win. Yep. It tells me that um, things are going downhill, even when you are winning. I have Wyoming at four, right behind uh, right behind Air Force Broncos country. Let's ride. Okay, Russell Wilson. I hate that line, by the way. Uh, Let's check on traffic here. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco off the bench. ESPN Honolulu. All right, coming up, uh, we'll get back to our uh, top story of the day, which is uh, Draymond Green's five-game suspension that was announced right at the beginning of the show. After the uh, the headlock, he put Rudy Gobert in. That coming up, it is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, we have learned news on James Madison, by the way, and there is a potential impact on Hawaii 
if Hawaii were to win a couple of games here to close out the year and go to six and seven. So let me let me set the scene here. James Madison was one of three schools to um, you know appeal to the NCAA to be bowl eligible. Uh, Tarleton State and uh, Jacksonville State are the others. Uh, Tarleton State is an FCS. They're eight and three. They play in the United Athletic Conference. But what they're trying to do, they want it to be bowl eligible if they win games. Uh, James Madison's undefeated. They're ten and zero. If you wonder why you don't see James Madison in the college football playoff top twenty-five, it's because they're not eligible for a bowl game. So the the committee just you know whatever. Don't put them in the rankings because they can't play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, but in the AP poll, they're 21. They're good. James Madison has proven that they are good. They can't even play in the conference championship game. So they could very well finish the regular season unbeaten, not win its conference championship. They wanted to say that they belonged in a, you know, a, a bowl game if they deserved it. And so the NCAA said, no, you cannot be eligible for a bowl game as part of your transition. Um, what they wanted was to appeal the trans. So there's a transition in football. FCS to FBS is two years. They wanted to lower that transition to one. And that would have allowed James Madison to play this year for a bowl game instead of, um, you know, having to wait one more year. So here's um, here's the impact, Hunter. The impact is James Madison can get to a bowl still if there are if there is a shortage of bowl teams. Now this comes up because let's say you know again Hawaii goes six and seven. Let's say that happens. Uh, normally we would say well nobody else is six and seven so. Uh, Hawaii gets in based on the fact that they would be the next team taken. Unless you have more six and seven teams, then you'd go by uh, by RPI. But the only way a team like James Madison and even uh, Jacksonville State can get into a bowl, they would jump the six and seven teams. So it's not a guarantee that if you have a shortage of bowl teams that automatically if Hawaii wins its final two games, it's not a guarantee that Hawaii is in Hmm. because James Madison or if Jacksonville state were to be bowl eligible, those two teams could jump right in and take a spot. Um, I mean, Jacksonville state, by the way, according to Brett McMurphy's projection is the camellia bowl. Hmm. So there is the, there is the thought that we are going to be short of teams. Uh, which could lead to, to some awkwardness here, um, especially with Jackson uh, Jacksonville State. I mean, I, I, this seems like the NCAA, and, and, and people jump on the NCAA for a lot of things. We'll get to you guys on the phones in a second, but this is one that doesn't make sense to me. If you've made it to the FBS, why do we need the transition period? That's, yes. Like, they're there. They're winning. They are competitive they are. They beat um, a Power Five school, right? They beat Virginia, right? So, and they beat Utah State, right? And by the way, James Madison is projected according to Action Network for the Myrtle Beach Bowl. So, the projections say we're not going to have enough bowl teams, which means the projection is that that JMU and 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 Marshall, or I'm sorry, JMU and uh, Jacksonville Jacksonville State will get in. Shouldn't this be the case? I mean, we we seem to be having. 
less bowl-eligible teams every year, that we can't fill the 80-some-odd slots for bowl games because we don't have 80-some-odd teams that are 500 or better. Yep. So if that's the case, and we're just going strictly by the FBS-FCS delineation, why are, why are we having this conversation? If James Madison is undefeated, they should be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. No questions asked. No undefeated team should be playing in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. At Division One status. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. Uh, let's say hi to Dave out in Kaneohe. Dave, how are you? Hey, what's up, Josh and Hunter? Hey, How's Dave. it going, Dave? Hey, so, you know, regarding this, if you're like a 6-7 and seven team, um, if there's multiple teams, you know what's going to hurt Hawaii is they're going to look at their uh, a- a- APR rating. APR, yeah. And the last last year, their APR rating was 122 out of 130. So that's a good point. I, I said this, RPI earlier. Yeah. I meant APR. RPI yeah, so, for baseball, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that might hurt Hawaii because of of how low their their rank, ranking is. That um, so. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, that, that's that that's that's one thing, and I I know one of my friends brought up it kind of got hurt because maybe with some of the scholarship guys transferring, and you know they I'm not sure how everything is calculated. I'm sure I'm sure Hunter kind of knows more, but but um, that's something that if if there's boys on the crit, the cusp, but there's a couple other um, five and seven teams or something that. Hawaii might not get in because of a low APR. And that's true. And uh, and Dave, thank you for the call. Let's continue this conversation Thanks, when we come back because we're up against a break. It is Off the Bench, ESPN Honolulu. Uh, yeah, hi. <laughs> it is Off the Bench. Yeah, someone forgot to put music in there uh, to bring us back here for the 5 o'clock hour. We'll, we'll just take it from here. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco, Off the Bench, ESPN Honolulu. Coming up in uh, about 20 minutes, Draymond Green suspended five games. Does that sound about right to you after uh, putting Rudy Gobert in a, you know, a basketball headlock last night? We'll talk about that coming up in just a little while. Hunter, we ended the hour talking about James Madison and its bowl eligibility. And along those lines, it was also um, how they, you know, the NCAA denied its appeal for the FCS to FBS transition, meaning that James Madison can't play for a conference championship. They can't play for a New Year's Six Bowl, even if they're undefeated. So that's why you're not seeing them in the uh, college football playoff rankings. NCAA denied their appeal for a second time, along with Jacksonville State. And uh, Tarleton State, the FCS school. Um, we heard Dave call earlier yep. mentioning the APR. And, um, you know, if Hawaii is a 6-7 and seven team, it's not necessarily a given that, um, you know, the APR, or it's not necessarily given they just get in because they're 6-7. and seven. The APR um, is important in that. Hawaii's APR, and thank you, uh, Dave, for sending this, Hawaii's APR is 112. Um, there are 133 schools. And I'll name you some of the schools that are behind Hawaii in APR. It includes Oregon, by the way. Uh, Jacksonville State is one of them. Uh, New Mexico is one of them. Southern Miss, LSU, New Mexico State. 
Um, all of those teams are below Hawaii. But, you know, the APR is not perfect. For those that don't know the APR, this is how the APR is measured. Um, and you can be punished if your APR is under 930. Perfect score is 1,000. Um, so here's how it goes. Uh, APR, um, it also kind of measures your graduation rate. So you get a retention point for staying in school, and each student-athlete gets a retention point for staying in school and an eligibility point for being academic el- eligible. So just do your job. Go to class. Yep. Um, pass. And, uh, and you Basically, get eligibility there. requirements. Yes. Um, you know, you could and, – and so here's the example, and I'm, I know it's Wikipedia, but I'm taking it anyway. Uh, a Division One FBS team awards a full complement of 85 grants in aid. If 80 student-athletes remain in school and academically eligible – Three remain in school but are academically ineligible, and two drop out academically ineligible. The team earns 163 of 170 possible points for that term. So, you all but five, um, you're you're docked of those five. So you get 163 points. Divide that by 170. Multiply by 1,000. You get your APR, and their APR would be 959. Now, this comes to mind, of course, the uh, the Todd Graham situation where you had uh, a lot of individuals leave. And so, you know, I've, I've got to imagine that Hawaii's APR has not been set up in the best spot. Not necessarily, I think, Hawaii's fault here necessarily, but um, that can hurt you down the road if you're a six and seven school or let's say, I mean, you want to back your way in, um, you know, that is your way, and that would that would hurt you here. So that's kind of the APR. I, I feel like that's something you probably heard of a little bit when you were playing, right? I mean, a little bit, but that actually wasn't something that was talked about much because for a school like Hawaii, it was pretty standard to play through your senior season. Mm-hmm. Rarely would we have guys leave early with a chance to play professionally. And if someone did transfer, they were taking on that risk, not only of potentially sitting out years if they didn't get um, their NCAA status um, squared away. It's totally different now with transfer portal. And I would love to see APR numbers before and after the transfer portal because schools like Hawaii really didn't have transfers to worry about that this was where people wanted to play that their entire career um now and you brought up schools like oregon or lsu i think big time blue chip schools like that you see players hopping around much more frequently right ultimately the apr is used to make sure that student athletes graduate and that's the other thing uh um uh athletics usually has a very high percentage of graduation right baseball is one of the best ones yep uh they would would brag for a long time about a hundred percent graduation rate uh granted there were times previous to rich hill where we couldn't really brag about the wins but we could brag about the graduation rate that was huge um interesting thought here from the 497 who says the warriors wouldn't be in fort collins today if they had no chance at a bowl which i find interesting it's kind of um insinuating that Getting there early, and I know usually you get there, it's mountain time, so you try to get in X amount of days, time zone-wise, the old Norm Chow thing, um, to insinuate that this is a big game. 
You are taking it that seriously that you're going to go on schedule. You're not going there late. You know, you're you're going to go in there like your season depends on it. Although my my comeback to that is I'm sure they had this travel set up already. I don't know if this is something that was changed or adjusted because, hey, we're still, you know, at the potential for six wins. Hmm. I don't know if when you when you're traveling about a hundred people or so, I don't know that you can just so quickly be like, "Hey, we'll leave a day before." Yeah, I mean, it wasn't so much uh, Thursday; it was more Thursday or Wednesday, uh-huh. not Thursday or Tuesday. But they they caught a red eye on a Tuesday evening, so you could almost argue that it was still a Wednesday flight, right? Because they're going to get there midday on a Wednesday, right? So it's still about the same. But the advantage of that is getting one more practice day over there. So, you know, to that texter's comment, it's still out there. But this is the closest thing that Hawaii's had towards a shared vision or something that, hey, that we're fighting and playing for something of consequence and something of value here, the potential to squeak into a Hawaii Bowl, which... If you would have told me that three weeks ago, Josh, I would have told you you were out of your mind. Right, me too. With that Hawaii team that that played against San Jose. They looked completely lost and absolutely ran through at home on our homecoming night. So the the fact that they've turned it around at all, take as much time as you need to over there in Laramie, and we'll figure it out whenever you get back. I, I think the bigger question, Hunter, as you're listening to Off the Bench here on ESPN Honolulu, is... Let's say Hawaii gets to six and seven. Is that deserving of a bowl game? Is it, you know, is it, can, can we sit here and say, okay, six and seven, um, you know, you should be at a bowl game? It's not enough to secure a bowl game. Mm-hmm. I still um, applaud the rules of it being an exception. And that's why I really try to say squeak our way into a bowl game or backdoor our way into a bowl game because you're still below 500. Yeah. And that 2016 team that I was on and we squeaked into a bowl game and then beat Middle Tennessee to finish the year 7-7. Seven and seven, I remember, remember the post-game interview with Rolo and he said, let's not get it confused. 500 is not going to cut it. No, of course not. And if you're getting in on a sub-500 record, someone is giving you a break to get in there. Mm -hmm. So there is that, but also the Hawaii Bowl, they want Hawaii to play in it. Oh, of course. Here, Okay, here. this is the latest thing from uh, from CBS Sports is where I'll cite it. Right now, there are 58 bowl-eligible teams. You need 82. Um, going into this week, there are 22 teams that with one win would become bowl eligible. So at the end of this week, we still won't fill 82 slots. The most you could fill is 80. And then after that, then you get to Thanksgiving week and maybe you get to 82. I have, I, I sincerely doubt that the 22 teams of the 22 teams that could get there with the win that all 22 of them will win. Probably not. Um, some of them probably have some tougher opponents. Um, to your to the question I asked you, I don't want to see a six and seven team in, and I don't care who it is. It's um, it's it's not like it's it's Hawaii or anybody else, it's, or, or versus anybody else. I I don't want to see a sub five hundred team, six and seven, five and seven doesn't matter to me. 
Um, we have too many bowls. Hmm. And, and, and as much as I love bowl games, and we have, what, 41 of them. And uh, as much as I will probably watch as many of the 41 as possible, because bowl games are fun. Um, I don't want to see it because it cheapens the year. I mean, let's face it. Let's say the hypothetical is Hawaii gets in at six and seven. They get into the to the easy post Hawaii Bowl with a six and seven mark. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not wash away two of the worst losses Hawaii's had all year. It does yep. not wash away San Jose State. It does not wash away New, New Mexico. Mexico. It does not wash away UNLV. And UNLV turns out not to be a bad loss. And frankly, um, San Jose State, it's not about the loss. Um, it's about how the loss happened. Yeah, because you San know, Jose St- State's turned out to be pretty good. Yeah, UNLV would have beat us nine times out of ten. Oh, agreed. Agreed. They're a great team right now. I just I, I want to reward good teams. And I think that's one thing that college football has done wrong. We don't reward enough good teams. Um, you can be six and seven and uh, or, or five and seven. Be like, hello, uh, Fenway or uh, Wasabi Fenway Bowl. I don't even know what it's called. Um, you know, hello. Pinstripe Bowl. Yeah. Uh, we'll take you in. <laughs> Come on. Um, just to fill the TV slot. Yeah, because you can't just be like, oh, we got to cancel a bowl. I mean, ESPN Events had a bowl that was just named. It was like an unnamed bowl in Frisco that they just recently announced a sponsor's, uh, sponsor for. Scooter's Coffee um, you know, now has a, uh, has a bowl game. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a bit much to me. And I realize that there are some of these legacy bowls that I don't think you should get rid of. Legacy bowls, meaning they have been around for at least 10 years, maybe more. Um, it's part of tradition. It's ingrained. Like, you know, I don't, I don't think you should get rid of those. But it's some of the, um, you know, like the Scooter's Coffee Frisco Bowl. That's kind of new, if I recall. I don't, I don't think we need that. The um, Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. <laughs> That's a joke anyway. But I don't think we need that. Drop Gronk. Uh, I mean, hey, L.A. Bowl is where the Mountain West champ goes. So I can't argue that one. The Wasabi Fenway Bowl. I got it right. Um, That one's still kind of new. By the way, any bowl that is played in a baseball stadium, we need to automatically get rid of. Fenway Bowl at Fenway Park. Wrigley. Yeah, you were talking about that earlier. The Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl in Yankee Stadium. We need to get rid of all those. Those fields are designed for baseball. Yes. Um, They had one in San Francisco. That bowl is no longer happening. It got canceled a while ago. That was played at Oracle Park. No, never again. Uh, we We can cut down the junk that we have. And no, don't get rid of the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. That's been around for a while. That's a Mountain West mainstay. We can we can keep that. Yep. Um, you know, I think the other one is the uh, Gasparilla Bowl. I think we can say goodbye to that. Myrtle Beach, goodbye. Um, but let's let's cut this down. Let's cut the fat. And let's see cuz I I know everything's about, you know, we got to reward the conferences and we got to get we, we got to get as many SEC and ACC and Big 10 and Pac-12 and all those teams we need to get in. So we got to create all these bowls. No. 
you know what? If you're seven and five and there aren't enough bowl slots for you, no, I don't want to create a new bowl for you. Sorry. Uh, be better. Be better than seven and five. Remember, Hawaii went to that bowl in, um, was it the, the one in Frisco a couple years ago? Yeah. They created that bowl. Or 2020, excuse me. They created a new yeah. bowl. And I think Hawaii ended up going to the Hawaii Bowl anyway. But they created a new bowl to make sure that Hawaii played in a bowl. Yeah. Because they backed in at six and seven. Bowl games are supposed to be special. They're not anymore. I know. That, it, I mean, that's no. the worst part is they're, they're losing their allure because there's so many of them. The Easy Post Hawaii Bowl is special to us. Yep. Because we've been around it. You've been around it. You know, that's that's one thing. Um, but to the bigger picture, it's not special for the sport. And, and I think that that's where we need to kind of draw the line. We'll get to some of your text on this coming up. Uh, first, we want to say hello to our friends at Kahala. Uh, Kahala is where you can upgrade your island style. They've got the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at kahala.com. Traffic here. You're listening to Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. We were talking about bowl eligibility. James Madison was what brought that conversation up, and then it kind of turned a little bit into Hawaii. Um, Not to rehash old topics of whether you deserve to be in at six and seven. Um... Texture from the two two one. Some coaches and players will say no to bowl game at six and seven. Might be right. Not many of them though. I mean, they realize because you won't you won't say no as much to a bowl at six and seven because it's extra practice time. It's an extra game on national television, which means visibility with recruiting. Um, I think saying no, unless you have a coaching change. Saying no is probably a bad look. Like, I think you 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 want to be there. Texter from the 741. Would be a reward, though, for finishing strong in UH's case? I don't reward that. Hmm. Like, top to bottom. That's how I feel. I mean, I, I can't let, you know, final month of the season, to me, ignore October. October October was bad. Mm. Um, so I won't go there. Uh, Texter from the 221. Like the last player chosen in the draft, come up with the irrelevant bowl that Ooh. requires two losing teams. No. Not not for two losing teams. No. That was really weak sounding. Reward losing teams? Come up with a bowl game geared for losers then. Five. Other, otherwise, like Josh said, don't be rewarding losing teams. Yeah, 500 is a mediocre season, no matter what sport you're playing. It's just, it's fine. It depends on the team. It depends on the trajectory. But still, in the grand picture of things, you're right. It's it's mediocre. Um, I've got a tease. <laughs> the one, There is one other team this year that might suffer a worse fate than JMU, and they also will end up undefeated. We'll get into that after this. I would say that that's a great tease, but there's still time on the clock. Oh, Hunter. Hunter's been good with these teases, but there's still like 45 seconds before I we thought, have to hit the I thought we were going to... Uh, <laughs> I thought that we were going to kind of collab on that, but I got I got nervous. And um, it, it, it was short. Great effort. Yeah. Great effort. 
Uh, one more from the 497. Uh, <laughs> players get swag. Spend time in Waikiki. It's for the players. Remember, under Tommy and Wagner and Jones, the teams that won eight games and got no invite. Granted, in, in those years, you didn't have as many bowl games. Now it's it's really not an excuse unless you have too many bowl-eligible teams. But it's not an excuse now to not get an invite unless you're not, you know, you're not eligible, like James Madison, et cetera. Um, that tease, man, he spoiled it. Spoiled it a minute early. It's after traffic at SportsCenter. Hey, final words are coming up, and I have, Hunter, I have two. Ooh. One good, one bad. Uh, I'll share that with you coming up here in uh, in just a little bit. Your tease coming up in a little while as well, but first we say hi to Sean. Sean, how are you? Hello. Thank you for taking my call, Josh. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, concerning the bowl games, I, I'll, I'll just have, I just have one question. Concerning the white bowl, or the, it used to be the lower bowl, or the white bowl, um, knowing about the win-loss record that you're talking about, which I agree totally. Who do you think is going to be in a white bowl with a few games left in the season? Who do you predicate that's going to be in the bowl game? And I'll take your answer off the air. All right. Uh, thank you, Sean. I mean, it's hard because uh, we don't know everybody that's bowl eligible yet. I'll give you uh, Brett McMurphy's, and, and Brett's usually really good on his uh, projections. Right now, his projection for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl is Fresno State and Rice, um, which kind of makes sense to me. Fresno State hasn't made it down here. Rice, hey, you get a you get um, you know a group of people from the state of Texas. I think they'll travel. That kind of makes sense to me. Can't but, have a Hawaii Poke Bowl without Rice. Oh boy! Oh no! <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Um, Liz liked that one in the other room. No, I think, I think she's smiling to be polite, not necessarily <laughs> because she's like, yeah, that was really good. It's more like, yeah, Hunter, good effort. Uh, <laughs> other, uh, I mean, you've got what Wyoming. I don't, I don't know that Wyoming would come here. You know, your your conference champ would go to the LA Bowl, hosted by Gronk. So that to me is probably UNLV or Air Force or uh, San Jose State, very likely. I mean, the the easy post Hawaii Bowl, if it's not Hawaii, is probably not getting, it's not going to get the number one team. It's probably not going to get the two. So you're probably looking, you're looking anywhere from three down. Uh, and I think there's seven tie-ins for the Mountain West uh, for, for bowl games. So... I don't know. It could be it could be Fresno. It could be Wyoming. If Boise's eligible, it could be Boise. Um, it's hard to say. It's it's really hard to say. But uh, usually the American gets a team. And and frankly, I think we had this conversation a while ago, Hunter. Um, I feel good that you're going to get a good team out of the American Athletic Conference because uh, they are the I think much better team at the top. Look, the um, the American and uh, honestly. If you get a team from the American, if it's Rice, they're currently four and six. You're banking on Rice to win out mm. in order to get to the easy post Hawaii Bowl. You got three teams who are undefeated in conference in Tulane, SMU, and UT San Antonio. You would love to have one of those because you're probably going to get a really good game. You're not going to get Tulane as long as they're in the college football playoff top 25. 
Memphis would be great. They put up points. Um, South Florida is is a win away from bowl eligibility. But right now, the uh, the American only has four bowl eligible teams. Mm. And that's why when we say um, potentially Rice, they're four and six. And Brett McMurphy thinks that Rice will win its last two and get to the easy post Hawaii Bowl. So the um, I guess I, I guess what I'm saying the Americans good. It's like top heavy good. Not so much after four. Hmm. The Mountain West has Air Force, UNLV, Fresno. Boise's not eligible yet, by the way. If I, I should have mentioned this. Boise's five and five. They lose their next two. They're not bowl eligible. Um, San Jose State's not even bowl eligible yet. They're five and five. They lose their last two. They're gone. Uh, Air Force, UNLV, Fresno, Wyoming are the four currently bowl eligible teams out of the Mountain West. Hmm. Which also leaves the other likelihood, Hunter. And I don't, because I, I don't know what's going to happen here the rest of the year. That you don't have teams from the assigned conferences for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. If you can't get six or seven eligible teams from each of these conferences, maybe you don't get a Mountain West team. Maybe instead of the American, you get a Conference USA team because that's the uh, the tie-in for the conference next year. It's really hard to say, and so I I, I see where Sean's like asking the question, but there really is no answer. Um, and we won't know these bowl assignments for the next uh, three and a half weeks. So we got to be patient about it. All right. Uh, your tease. Remind people what your tease was and where you're going with it. Well, for a lot of the show today, we talked about bowl eligibility and also the unique case of JMU, James mm-hmm. Madison. Yeah. And the fact that because of their waiting period that the NCAA has put on them, they could be undefeated and not find themselves in any bowl game let alone a New Year's Six. Right. But I've got a team, Josh, that might end up being in worse shape than them that's also undefeated. Okay. Who's that? Florida State. <laughs> I was not thinking you'd go there. I believe. All right, hit me with it. That if Florida State wins out and wins the ACC championship, that they might still be kept out of the CFP. Wow. This is the final year of um of the CFP the having format. four teams yeah under its current format and this is the one thing that will keep them out is if Oregon wins out from here who if Oregon finishes the year as a one loss team the only loss that they suffered was to Washington and in order to do that they'd probably have to get past Washington again for the conference championship for game. the Pac-12 championship game they will absolutely find themselves in the top four before an undefeated team. And you will probably include both them and Washington in the CFP. So you're saying both of those teams with one loss is better than an undefeated Florida State team. So you're saying Ohio State or Michigan, you're not going to have That's both. right. But one of those teams will lose and they will probably leak out. Yeah, you know, we've had this conversation before. I don't think Florida State's as good as um, as their record indicates. Although the ACC, to its credit, the ACC is not as bad. Um, and, and part of what's helpful for the ACC is that Louisville's a top 10 team. Um, that's going to help Florida State with, with where it's at. Louisville's a top 10 team. North Carolina's a top 20 team. Uh, but it, it's still, it's three teams in the top 20 in the college football playoff rankings, Florida State, 
Um, the only two wins that they have of significance were, was LSU. That was their season opener. And then they beat a ranked Duke team. But that Duke team really wasn't much of significance considering national uh, prestige. I mean, they're, they're good. They're not fantastic. The thing about Florida State is um, the ACC is unbalanced schedules. Not everybody is playing everybody. So, for example, Florida State did not get Louisville. If they play each other, it's for the first time in the ACC championship game. Florida State did not get North Carolina. North Carolina is 8-2. and two. It is very possible it could be NC State. They could back their way in. Florida State did not play NC State. So the top, so the three next teams to Florida State in the ACC standings, the Seminoles have not played. And it's kind of weird the way that happens. But, I mean... Um, that's kind of how it works. I think as, as these conferences grow, you're going to have more of these yep. where you're going to start questioning resumes because, well, you played these guys, but you didn't play these guys. That's right. Um, Florida State, frankly, its next two games are not all that great. Yep. North Alabama um, on the CW. Pretty, pretty <laughs> nice. Pretty in- insignificant. Yeah, I mean, you got to beat North Alabama by like 45. And still, maybe not all that significant. Oh, yeah. To me, if Washington wins at Oregon State, I don't care what Florida State does against North Alabama. Washington vaults up. Yes. I To me, Washington should already be four. This is the other crazy one. If Bama wins out and beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, they're probably going to find a way to keep Georgia and Alabama in the CFP. I don't think so. I think I think Bama's too far down. I, I don't think it's even a, a guarantee that Bama gets in as the SEC champ. If Alabama were five or, or five or six, I'd say yes. But Alabama would need a lot of help upstairs. They need either Ohio State or they need Michigan to lose and, and lose badly. Ohio State may be in a safe spot right now. Um, they need Oregon to lose a second game. Um I'm just saying I think, I think the, that's the win over Georgia, the uh-huh. win over Georgia in the SEC championship right. could put them in a situation, and I'm more in uh, comparison to Florida State, a one-loss Bama team that won the SEC, SEC championship and beat Georgia to do it is stronger than an undefeated Florida State team. And, and I should correct myself. Georgia's at one, not Ohio State. So Georgia right. may actually have that safety blanket, whereas Ohio State, Michigan at two and three – could be an elimination game if if they're still there um, the, come, come after Thanksgiving. This is going to be one of those CFP years, and I'm really glad that it's the last year under its current format because uh-huh. it has the potential to make a lot of people angry. And by the way, don't forget Texas. Yep. Texas at seven. Um, the next highest Big 12 team in the CFP rankings is uh, Oklahoma at 14. After the loss to Kansas. That's right. When Oklahoma lost two in a row. Yeah, I mean, Florida State is North Alabama, and then they have Florida. And Florida is not what Florida was nope. um, back in the uh, Steve Spurrier heyday. Uh, so beating Florida is not necessarily a great win. Again, it's it's like you got to beat North Alabama by like 45 um, and force their coach to say, hey, let's play with running time in the second half. It's happened before. Um, and then you got to beat Florida by at least two touchdowns. It's a rivalry game, so you give it a little bit of a break, but you got to look incredibly dominant 
And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't even be in the conversation for four. And, and you know, ACC championship, which we know they're going to play in, because um, they they've played all their ACC games already. Yep. Um, if it's Louisville, if it's North Carolina, if it's NC State, style points. Yep. Got to win by double digits. The Pac-12 surprised me more than any other conference this year. Top to bottom, they were the strongest. Mm -hmm. And I think multiple weeks had the most amount of teams in the top 25 than any other conference. Uh, They they deserve more consideration than what they're getting. Yeah, this will be an interesting week. Um, There are a number of interesting games that are uh, are on the calendar uh, uh, this weekend that you surely want to pay attention to. We'll have Washington and Oregon State right here on uh, on Saturday, our coverage at 2. But of those other games, Maryland-Michigan, will have uh, our sister station, CBS 1500, has got a bunch of good games on Saturday. Maryland-Michigan at 7. We get to see Talia Tonga-Vailoa, and we get to see the cheaters. Uh, Georgia-Tennessee is a huge <laughs> one. That took you a little while to, to take that in, huh? Wow. Georgia-Tennessee right after that. Kick at, uh, what time's kick? 10.30. Um Texas Iowa State. We'll have that in the afternoon as well. There's just a bunch of good stuff on Saturday as we prepare for the next college football playoff rankings on Tuesday. And then we get to championship week eventually. Uh final words coming up in just a little bit. I was going to get to the Draymond Green suspension, but you know what? Uh this conversation's been a little more interesting. Uh maybe a few final words on that. Uh but first we take a look at traffic. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. All right, final words coming up in uh, just a little bit. Big story of the day, uh, Draymond Green suspended five games for his, um, well, less than stellar uh, fundamentals in the headlock slash chokehold slash, I don't know what it was, uh, on Rudy Gobert last night. NBA issued that suspension earlier today. Adrian Wojnarowski earlier on NBA Countdown explaining uh, how the NBA came to that decision. Malika, two parts. Certainly uh, the league called... Draymond Green's uh, headlock slash choke uh, on Rudy Gobert, a dangerous uh, maneuver on the court. But also, the league again acknowledged Draymond Green's history in these instances, uh, going back a number of years uh, as a part of the severity of this five-game suspension. I think the length of it surprises the Golden State Warriors. I think it surprised many around the league. But five games for Draymond Green, uh, that'll cost him about $770,000 in lost salary. And then three other players, Rudy Gobert, Jaden McDaniels, and Klay Thompson, all find $25,000 for their role in that skirmish last night. Adrian Wojnarowski earlier on uh, NBA Countdown on ESPN Television. Uh, I wonder if he appeals. I don't know if he can. I wonder if he appeals, and I wonder if he gets any of those back. But uh, five games, I think we talked about this earlier, Hunter. I think they're kind of lucky it's five games, not anything more than that, given the severity of how that looked. So I think this guy's kind of running out of patience left and right, running out of patience from the league, Uh running out of patience from the fans. I'm not a Golden State Warriors fan, but oh no, you're not. No, oh shucks. Yeah, not not <laughs> really. It's just I'm like whatever. And the more that he does antics like this, and they don't win, the more people will be forced to say things like, 
whatever right when thinking about golden state and the fact that steph isn't playing doesn't help their case at all right now yeah steph will be uh re-evaluated later this week so he's out for a little bit all right uh final words hunter you're up you know that i am the last person to ever make comments about people's hair okay <laughs> okay all right i want to know where this is going have you seen tua's new look i have not tua tagovailoa is taking on cornrows. Oh, really? And part of my final words, we are going to get a Josh Pacheco live reaction to the Tua Tagovailoa cornrows. That's kind of cool. It's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. The difference in perceived height, though, from his... <laughs> I could see this. Kind of... I could see this. Um, Soleil little afro going on up okay, top okay to the borderline skin tight cornrows is a loss of hmm, maybe three inches so he's going from just shy of six three to back to his uh six foot and a half six one uh-huh. stature and it so. makes a difference how only when you don't have the helmet on uh true yeah when you get the helmet on everything kind of gets squished up there anyway you know what there's one thing well, there are many things that um, I'm envious of Tua Tonga-Vailoa of. His, um, his play, his talent. His left arm. His bank account. Yeah. His left arm, um, et cetera. And the fact that he has style, and I don't. And, um, you know, this is another, another example of that. Good on him. And he's winning games. That's another thing I'm, uh, I'm a little envious of. He's a winner, and uh, I don't have an NFL career. So, uh, so good on him. Good on him. I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, my final words. I actually have two today. First, welcome back, McRib. Uh, it is McRib season. Is it? It is. Wow. The McRib, as I get the weird looks of, oh, you, you're that guy. Yeah. Uh, the McRib retired last year. I thought it was done for good. And then they realized, um, you know what? Bringing the McRib back is good for business. So uh, the McRib is back. Why don't they do it year round? It's like eggnog. I guess they feel like, you know, there's the there's a demand if you keep it for a, a short period of time. Or the shamrock shake. Yeah, which I've never had. Um, it's it's okay. Okay. Um, it looks like the uh, in-tournament season court the Boston Celtics play on. Mm. But, um, you know, the demand is great if you have it for a limited time only, like eggnog. But they're expanding that. Eggnog's been available since September. Awesome. Um, I think the McRib's there for a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, every year. So it's, it's funny. Um, I've been bringing lunch to work a lot lately. Uh, my wife is a great cook. And uh, so she, uh, she's she been, you know, making sure I bring lunch. And she said, and, and I love her for it, she said, I'm not packing lunch for you today. <laughs> I know you're going you're gonna to have a McRib, so you know what? I'm not packing anything for you. It's <laughs> packed, packed a snack. It was all good. She knows so, her man. She does. So, um, yeah, on, on first note there. Uh, but my other final word today is content. We're all seemingly desperate for content. How do I know? Ask the Washington Post. Oh, boy. Um, this whole, um, this Wait. whole Kelsey, uh, I'm Kelsey, uh, Taylor Swift thing. Is getting a little too little too far. Like we're we're searching for content um, because it's Taylor Swift. 
So, uh, and, and by the way, I can't read this because she's it's a locked. needle, a needle mover. Yeah, I can't read this because I don't have the the access past the paywall. But this was on X earlier. Kansas City Chief tight end Travis Kelsey's old social media posts have caught the attention of Swifties, who are roasting the NFL star for his appreciation of chicken Alfredo, interest in squirrels, and disregard for math class, among other things. What's the problem with that? I don't. There, there's a Swifty in the other room. What's the problem with any of those things? Um. Well, I think they're using the word roast pretty u- loosely there. Okay. I've seen people surfacing these old tweets and just kind of playfully like, oh, isn't it so fu- funny, like what he was doing at the time? While oh, so like he, he's a reformed what individual is what you're saying. In a goofy way. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's that's a little bit better, but it's still like, why are we doing this? Look what? at this child. Yeah. And by the way. Please don't get mad at me and don't write a Washington Post article about me. I love Chicken Alfredo. Roast me for that. On that note, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Rich Hill tomorrow. Sports Internet X.